Welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And if I sound a little solemn, I'm sorry. The last few days have been pretty tough because we've lost two legendary figures, not only for the black community, but in the world, but in the world as a whole. Let's start with Friday, August 28th, 2020, a day which Major League Baseball set aside this season to celebrate Jackie Robinson's Day, which is normally celebrated on April 15th. But due to the global pandemic and baseball not being active during April, they reverted that day to this past Friday. Ironically, the young man who starred in the movie that brought Jackie Robinson to the big screen for all of us, who embodied what Jackie Robinson meant and what he stood for, one Chadwick Bozeman. We lost him on Friday to that vicious ugly disease called cancer at the age of 43 that bright shining star which had been illuminating in Hollywood and had just taken off like a rocket the last four years unfortunately is no longer with us what Chadwick Bozeman did in his short stay here on this earth was make himself into an icon. Not only did he bring Jackie Robinson's story to the big screen, but he also created a superhero, one that which we had never seen, meaning a black man becoming a superhero on the big screen in Hollywood. That being the Black Panther. We say we're always looking for a hero. We're looking for a shining star. Well, Chadwick Boseman was that hero. He was that star. And He was just getting started. The last four years of his life, he was suffering with colon cancer and the world didn't even know. He didn't let us in on his struggle. He just kept showing that he was a warrior. He kept showing that he really was the superhero that we thought he was on the big screen. He kept going to St. Jude's and putting smiles on the faces of those children. He kept working hard to make sure that Black Panther was going to be successful and that it was one of the highest, not one of the, but the highest grossing movie in the history of Hollywood. On top of that, it was a predominantly all black cast. So that just made it even more of a triumphant achievement. 
it's just I'm lost for words right now. So if I'm a little slow on the take, I apologize. But when you hear about someone doing things positive, when you hear and you see someone who's living their life the right way and they're taken from us so unexpectedly, it just leaves you so empty, wondering why. Why this person when they still had so much more to give? Why was it their time to go? That's the question that we're all asking ourselves. But while he was here, Chadwick Bozeman was a graduate of Howard University, a great humanitarian, a fine intellect, a person of truth. And he shall be remembered for that. And then this morning, on August 31st, we wake up to hear the news that one of the legendary icons in the coaching world, John Thompson, Big John as he was known by his constituents in the coaching world, passed away at the age of 78. Both of these African-American men were special. They were larger than life, especially John Thompson literally was larger than life. (laughs) Coach Thompson was a big man. He just wasn't called Big John just for the sake of being called Big John. He was 6'10", probably about 260. That's a big man. Coach Thompson demanded respect. Coach Thompson showed us that he was here to make a difference, not only in the realm of basketball, but in life. The number of lives that he touched, the number of young men that he turned out from that Georgetown program to be highly successful as basketball players as well as just men was numerous. The likes of the Patrick Hewings, his first big recruit, along with Sleepy Floyd, Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, Reggie Williams, David Wingate, But the jewel of his eye, I believe, would be the young man that he saved from Hampton, Virginia. We know him as A.I. He was Allen to coach John Thompson. That's one Allen Iverson. For those of you who don't know the story of Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson was a a two-sports star in Bethel at Bethel High School in Hampton, Virginia. Highly recruited football player, quarterback, dual threat quarterback, highly recruited guard in basketball. Scholarship offers everywhere. One event almost changed his life 
for good. An incident happened at a bowling alley where Allen Iverson and some friends went to an alley. A fight ensued which caused a riot and the only person that was recognizable or the only person with a recognizable name was Allen Iverson. He was the one that was arrested. He was the one that went to jail. But you know, as they always say, God is good. Because God had a different plan for Allen. And that plan was for him to be under the toolage of one Coach John Thompson. Fortunately for Allen, Governor Wilder pardoned his sentence. And when he got out, his mom called John Thompson and asked him, would he give her son an opportunity not just to play basketball, but to survive? And that's what Coach Thompson did. He gave Allen the opportunity to let his light shine. And boy, did his light shine at Georgetown. To the point that he became not only a one and done player, but he became the number one pick. The year he came out. And he went on to have a fabulous, outstanding career. To the point that he achieved the ultimate achievement. Induction into the Hall of Fame. And at his induction speech, he said to Coach John Thompson that he saved his life. How many of us can turn to someone and say that that person gave us an opportunity or that person saved our lives? Not many of us can say that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when you can say that somebody gave you an opportunity, they looked past all your faults and saw and saw the greatness beneath. That's when you know that that person is true. Coach Thompson didn't take any off anybody. And especially in the black community, he felt as though it was his calling to make sure that the young men that he coached, the young men that he came involved with, that they understood that there was more than just basketball to this life. That there were other things, other ways that they can be successful but that they had to make sure that they maximize their potential in any field that they decided that they wanted to go into, that they had to be successful regardless, on and off. If they made it to the basketball arena, on and off the court, they had to find a way to be successful and thrive. He made sure of that. When Proposition 48 came into play, that was a NCAA Proposition 
that they tried, or amendment, I should say, that they tried to put on the books where they tried to stop African-American athletes from being able potentially to play collegiate basketball because of the enhancements of grades and test scores that we know the tests are biased for African-Americans for the most part, that this Proposition 48 was something that they tried to institute, John Thompson wasn't having it. He walked off the floor and took his team because he didn't believe that this was going to be something that was going to be successful or make players successful especially those from the African-American community on a collegiate level. And he let it be known that he didn't agree with it. Coach Thompson was fighting the fight for injustice, for social issues, for systemic racism, way before these protests that we're doing now even started. He was a part of the Boston Celtics team that won two championships back in the early 60s. He won two, 65 and 66. He played behind Bill Russell, the great Bill Russell. So he knew about racism being in Boston. He knew about racism coming up in the time of Dr. Martin Luther King. And that's why he tries so hard to make sure that young men of color were given an equal playing field to compete on. He made it so guys like myself who had aspirations of wanting to coach could coach this is what John Thompson stood for and this is why he will be missed not only as a basketball icon but as a man who became an iconic figure he became the first African American coach to win a national championship in NCAA history. But when asked about that, he said he was a coach that won a national championship. He didn't want it to be labeled as that he was an African-American coach. He wanted to be labeled that he was a coach that won a championship. In the early 80s, all the way up to the early 90s, Georgetown in the Big East was the predominant conference across the college landscape. You couldn't watch college basketball and not talk about Georgetown. You couldn't watch college basketball and not talk about the Big East. The Big East had Georgetown. It had St. John's. It had Syracuse. It had Villanova. You had 
historic coaches in the Big East during that time, led by John Thompson, followed up by Jim Beheim at Syracuse, who is still the coach at Syracuse. St. John's had Coach Lou Conaseca, and Villanova had one Raleigh Massimino, the man that dethroned the 1985 Georgetown Hoyas in that NCAA championship by shooting almost 60% in the second half and going to stall ball with no shot clock. That's how they were able to beat the mighty Hoyas. Georgetown lost their first opportunity to win a championship in 1982 when they faced the team that I root for in college basketball and the reason why I wanted to become a basketball coach was because of these two great coaches, Dean Smith of my North Carolina Tar Heels and John Thompson. Watching that 1982 national championship game, I was torn because my allegiance, of course, was with Carolina and Dean Smith and a freshman by the name of Michael Jeffrey Jordan, James Worthy, Sam Perkins, Jimmy Black. But I was also with Coach John Thompson, Patrick Ewing, Charles Smith, Freddie Brown. That's what I watched. It was in my backyard. Georgetown's, I'm, I'm a resident of PG County. Georgetown was here in D.C. This is what I grew up watching. We talk about Hoya paranoia. We talk about the defense that John Thompson and his team imposed upon people. We talk about how John Thompson walked up and down the sidelines as this figure that was so imposing. That's what his teams were too. They played smart. They played hard. They played to win. That was instilled by John Thompson. And if it wasn't for John Thompson, we might not have ever seen another coach that was African-American win a national championship in NCAA history. Nolan Richardson took the Hoya paranoia and turned it into 40 minutes of hell when he was the head man in Arkansas. He was able to capture a national championship. Tubby Smith came behind one Rick Pitino and took Kentucky. One of the Blue Bloods took them and won a national championship. So for all those people for so many years, who believed that black coaches weren't capable of having programs that would be successful. John Thompson crushed that idea and then some. Players like Michael Graham. Players like Charles Smith. John Thompson gave opportunities to. Not all coaches are willing to put their ideals on the back burner 
not all coaches are willing to put and stand up for what they believe in because of what politics and what the universities they represent stand for. They're not willing to push their issues to the forefront. That was not the case with Coach John Thompson. And that's why he was so respected and veered by not only his constituents in the coaching field, but also by those he encountered on the university side. He wasn't always likable, but he didn't care about being liked. He cared about being respected. And the respected he was. So we're going to miss Coach Thompson. And we're going to miss the rising star in Hollywood. Known as Chadwick Bozeman. Like I said, it's been a tough last three days. We also lost... Another great coach in Lute Olsen from Arizona, one of the winningest coaches in college basketball history. And we lost a really good basketball player in one Cliff Robinson of the Portland Trailblazers via Connecticut University. We say rest in peace to these four gentlemen. We have prayers, wishful prayers to each and every one of these gentlemen, their families. And we just hope that we all can just remember all the contributions that each one of them made. But like I said, there will never be another Coach John Thompson. And I don't know if we'll see another superstar in the entertainment business via Hollywood like a Chadwick Bozeman. because a lot of times you you get the actor who feels like he has to act in every role as opposed to just being who himself Chadwick Bozeman showed us himself even when he made it to the highest of heights he didn't appear to change he appeared to be the same bright smiling person that he was when he was a student at Howard University. So we just want to say thank you to Coach Thompson and thank you to Chadwick Bozeman for allowing us to be able to have you here as long as we did and we all being blessed to have seen you both make a difference not only in the world but especially in the world that I know which is black America we're going to take a small break and then we'll be back to talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA playoffs this is Coach P and Uptempo Sports 24-7 we appreciate you tuning in we'll be right back Oh, 
All right, welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24 7. We're going to give you what we love to give you most of all. Let's talk about sports. Sometimes we have to let sports take a back seat for things that are more important, which is life. Life changes, life directions. And we've been going through so many different things during 2020. So we just wanted to make sure that we captured the lives of Coach John Thompson and Chadwick Bozeman and what they meant to us. But we also want to give it a little bit of an upbeat and up note of what's been going on in Orlando with the NBA playoffs. And folks, I'm just going to say this is that if you have not had an opportunity or if you're not a real basketball fan and you have not watched any of the games that have occurred in the bubble for the playoffs, you have done yourself a disservice. The NBA, like I've stated before, has done a marvelous job with everything to make this basketball season to be successful. And these players, with all the protests, with the almost potential work stoppage, have done an amazing job to stay focused doing everything that's going on. And I think that we didn't mention this prior about what LeBron James and Chris Paul and the NBA PA has done to keep things organized, to keep things in place. Not only LeBron James and Chris Paul, but the leadership of one Michael Jordan. In the past, when he was a player, always talked about Mike not getting involved in politics. This is not politics, folks. This is life. This is lives that we're talking about. People losing their lives. People not being able to do everyday things because of the fact that they are being unjustly stopped, pulled over, shot at, and for some killed. So for these players to take the stand that they have taken and continue to let us hear their voice, has been phenomenal. Not only the NBA players, but the WNBA WNBA players as well. But I wanted to take this moment to say thank you to the likes of LeBron James, who's always been a leader, who's been an activist since day one. But to also say about Michael Jordan, because I think sometimes we think that these athletes owe us something. We owe ourselves just as much as we look to these athletes to do something. We owe it to ourselves to do something as well. But I think what Michael Jordan as an owner and a former player, him being able to be in the room and look at these owners and tell them what the black community needs from them. The likes of former President Barack Obama to be a not only a role model, but a spokesperson and a mentor to the likes of a LeBron James 
during this time was phenomenal, was needed. And so as we spoke about in the opening of this podcast about sometimes we have to put sports on pause to talk about things that are actually happening in the world. This is what this platform that I have allows me to do. And I'm so grateful that I decided to do what I love to do, which is talk about sports all the time. But to also understand that this platform gives me the opportunity to also talk about the things that go on in everyday life when it's needed. So speaking of things that are going on, let's talk about the playoffs and let's talk about while we're talking about LeBron James. Let's talk about the Portland Trailblazers and what they did without Damian Lillard, their superstar in game five. CJ McCullum and the return of Hoodie Mello, Carmelo Anthony, folks, went retro on us, dropping 26 points as Portland tried to stave off elimination. But it was just too much LeBron James at 37 points, triple-double, 10 10 assists, 10 rebounds, and then his running mate, Anthony Davis, with 43 points. It was just too much for Portland to overcome, and they they were not able to maintain staying with the Lakers as the fourth quarter came to an end and the Lakers went on a run led by LeBron James. And so the Lakers move on to the next round of the Western Conference playoffs and they await the winner of the Utah. I'm sorry, they await the winner of the OKC and Houston series. That series is three games to two. Houston in front. Now, starting with that particular series, I had OKC going into it. I was rolling with OKC because I knew that Russell Westbrook was going to be out. Russell returned, and in game number Five, Houston won by 34 points. I don't know if OKC has any life left in them after that, but we'll see. Led by savvy veteran Chris Paul, I think OKC will come out in game six tonight and leave it all on the floor. You had a little scuffle between Dennis Schroeder and P.J. Tucker for Houston. I think they'll both be able to play in game six, but they both were fined $25,000. That's the one thing that's happened down here in Orlando, folks, is that it has been competitive, super competitive basketball, even without real fans these players have taken it upon themselves to show up and show out and 
speaking of speaking of showing up and showing out. Although they did not advance because the Clippers clipped their wings, referring to the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic, folks, once again, I'm going to tell you, if you have not watched any playoffs and you don't know the name, look him up. The Phenom, Luka Doncic, the 21-year-old superstar. He's not a star, folks. He's a legitimate superstar. He will be a NBA MVP within the next three years, guaranteed. Put Dallas on his back, but it was just too much Kawhi Leonard. As Kawhi Leonard is showing you why he is a superstar as well, why he is the reigning MVP of the finals last year when he led Toronto to the championship against the Golden State Warriors, he's still doing what Kawhi does. He had a double-double, 35 points and 10 rebounds. The person who's missing from the Clippers has been Paul George. You know, Paul George said that he's been dealing with a bit of depression and a bit of just being in the bubble. without being able to be near family. And I get it, folks. I understand. Although I'm not there, I, I get it. You're, you're away for several months. But what I equate it to is I think about our servicemen, servicemen and women that have had multiple tours of duty serving our country overseas. And they have not been able to come home and see their loved ones for years, not months, but years. And they're on the front line fighting for us, sacrificing their lives. So I kind of can't I don't have any empathy for these NBA players saying that it's a difference in being away from your family for two or three months when. I look at these service people who, for some, have not been home for years. And I'm not trying to say that the NBA players don't miss their families. But during this pandemic, you were home for almost six months with your families. You're talking about sacrificing two months, maybe three months to finish out the season. If you were in a situation where you didn't have proper shelter or food or anything like those, you know, the necessities of life, then I kind of get it. But folks, it's kind of hard for me to have empathy for you when they've given you all the best of all worlds they could possibly provide you with down in Orlando. And once again, like I said, our servicemen and women are on the front line fighting for us, putting their lives on the line every day. Some of them have not been home for years to be able to see their loved ones, significant others, family, friends. So I'm like, you got to put your big boy pants on, man, and just go play ball. You have to. And I know we have all these other things going on in the world. 
and you all have done a remarkable job, as I've stated before, in dealing with those. But just saying that you're down in the bubble and you're and you're having issues with being away from family. I, I just can't I, I, I can't really get in. I can't really hold your hand on that, because, again, I think about the servicemen and women that have put their lives on hold to go and fight for us. We talk about this flag. This is what these people are doing to fight for us. And so I I can't sit here and hold your hand in regards to sympathizing for you being down in Florida to play ball. I can't. Not when it comes to this particular subject. Now, if you want to talk about what we're dealing with in regards to the protests and, and the things, the social injustice issues, I'm right there with you, locked arm in arm. But in regards to you saying that, you know, you you feel a certain kind of way because you're without your family and your friends. I, I can't co-sign on that. I just can't. But we're going to get back to talking about basketball. As like I said, Luka Doncic scored 38 points. He tried to put the Mavericks on his back. But without his running mate, Christoph Porzingis, who was shut down due to a meniscus injury, they just didn't have enough to dethrone the Clippers and so the Clippers move on and they await the winner of the series in the bubble which has been the most phenomenal series because of the two phenomenal young players that have come to rise like the Phoenix and that is Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets and of course Spider better known as Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz folks These two guards have been phenomenal in this playoff run. We're going to a game seven with Utah and Denver tomorrow night because Jamal Murray, folks, said, I'm not ready to go home yet. Denver was down three games to two, and Jamal Murray said, I'm not ready to go home yet, as he put up another 50-burger, and he became the fourth player in NBA history behind Michael Jordan, Allen Iverson, and the other man in the bubble, Donovan Mitchell, to score 50 points in four consecutive playoff games in a series. It's been ridiculous, folks. If you saw the shooting display that he put on last night, He hit 27 points. 27 points alone of his 50 came from the three-point line. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was 9 of 14 from the three-point line. Folks, that's efficiency to the 10th power. 9 of 14 from the three-point line. He scored 27 points from the three-point line, folks. And when I tell you the difficulty in some of these shots, they weren't all open looks. There were hands in his face. He was fading back. It was just ridiculous. And and it was almost like he and Donovan Mitchell said, whatever you do, I can do better because they were trying to one up each other. It was just incredible to see these two young guards put on this display. It's almost like watching Michael Jordan in his prime going against a Larry Bird or a Magic Johnson in the finals. This is what these, these guys have been putting on. Or 
you know, how we had LeBron going against Golden State in the finals. These are what these two, you're talking about two guys that are 24, 25 years old putting on this type of performance in circumstances they've never experienced in this bubble in Orlando. And they have just been phenomenal, along with the Joker for Denver and Rudy Gobert for Utah. The big men have also played very well in this series. But this series has been about these two special guards. And the one thing that I wanted to touch on, too, here was what Jamal Murray said after the game last night, after his 50 point performance. And he was asked a question about how did he get through this particular game? And he focused in, he took the opportunity. Like I said, these players are well aware of what they're here for. They know they're here for basketball, but they know they're also here for a bigger issue. And he took the opportunity to highlight and to and, and to shine a light on what has happened in our country with the killing of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. He had Breonna Taylor on one shoe, George Floyd on another shoe. And he didn't talk about his performance. He talked about the strength that he's gotten from those two individuals whose lives were taken way too soon for no reason at all. And he talked about the strength that when he was tired, he thought about those two people and the strength that he gained from them to be able to perform to the highest level last night and to perform the way he's been performing in these playoffs in the bubble. I thought for someone who's 25, 24, 25 years old to be able to be that mature and understand and recognize the moment was just unbelievable because how many, especially in athletes, they always talk about athletes don't, don't think about things when they do it sometimes or they, they don't align themselves with positivity. It's always about I, 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 you're, you're not, you haven't seen that here this year, especially with the circumstances that we're talking about. You've seen every one of these athletes make it their mission to highlight the social injustice issues that are going on. And last night, it could have been a situation where when Jamal Murray was asked a question about his performance, where he talked about how he was able to do things. He talked about the strength that he has gotten from two of the people who have lost their lives this year. He focused in on that. I thought that was pretty incredible for someone at 24, 25 years old to have that much interest and that much wherewithal to be focused, razor focused on the problems at hand. And to maintain that to complete his job. This game seven tomorrow is going to be one for the ages, I believe, folks, because if we have gotten the performances that we have gotten from both Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell, I can't imagine what they have left in the tank to give us tomorrow. But I think it's going to be must see TV. So I'm telling you, must see TV and turn in tomorrow to watch these two young guards put on a performance as if they're playing under the lights in New York City. That winner of that game 
will await their fate against Kawhi Leonard and the L.A. Clippers. And then we had the semifinals of the Eastern Conference going on, where you had the Boston Celtics, who eliminated the Philadelphia 76ers in four games, and the Toronto Raptors, who eliminated the Brooklyn Nets, start their series yesterday. And Boston came out and wiped the floor, excuse me, with the Toronto Raptors, the defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors. With Gordon Hayward out injured for Boston, you know that their big three of Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum have to show up and show out every night. But they got help yesterday from Mr. Tice, their big man, along with their young first-year backup center, Mr. Williams, Robert Williams from Texas A&M. And then they got a massive performance by Marcus Smart. Their defensive ace came out and dropped 21 yesterday. And anytime you see Marcus Smart hitting threes, if you're the opposing team, you know you're in trouble. So Mark, they had balance scoring. Marcus Smart dropped 21. Jason Tatum had 21. You had, uh, I think it was 18 points from Kimball Walker yesterday. And you had another 16 points, I think, from Jalen, 16 or 17 points from Jalen Brown. Folks, Boston is a problem. And Toronto can't afford to have Pascal Siakam shoot as bad as he did yesterday and them have a chance to win. He is their best player. Kyle Lowry is their leader, no doubt. But he didn't have a good game yesterday. And defensively, they just, even with all the different defenses, they kept switching off in into to try to slow down Boston. Boston just shot the ball very well from the perimeter. And Toronto shot the ball horribly. And that was the difference in the game. Boston made shots and Toronto didn't. And it's just as simple as that. I don't look for Toronto to play that bad in their next game. I look for them to shoot the ball a lot better tomorrow. But Boston and Toronto, this is going to be a very interesting series. I said going into this series that I would not be surprised if Boston won. I think I had picked Toronto to win this series. But Boston is a problem, folks, if they're scoring the ball like this because with a healthy Kimba, and you already know what Jason Tatum is bringing to the to the table, and Jalen Brown, if they can just get any production from their rotation of their big men, they have a fighting chance to beat Toronto in this series. And then tonight, you have the Miami Heat taking on the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round of the playoffs. These two teams in the regular season, I think they played three times. I think Miami won the series in the regular season, two games to one. I like Miami in this series. I know a lot of people are picking Milwaukee to get to the championship. I just don't believe that there is enough for Milwaukee. If Milwaukee wins, I'm not going to be surprised. I am a, a Heat fan as well, so I guess I'm a little biased. But I believe that they're going to need Giannis 
to average about 32 points a game in this series, and he's going to have to get Chris Middleton to average at least probably 24 to 25 points in this series if they're going to have a fighting chance of winning because Miami has a barrage of three-point shooters. They have a very, very good defensive mindset. They have one of the best coaches in the NBA in Coach Eric Spostra. And they are not afraid to put up threes. They are, not afla- they are not afraid of playing team defense. That's what you're going to get from these Miami Heat. So it's going to be interesting to see what Milwaukee does. I think that Miami is going to throw several bodies at Giannis, make him have to really work and earn every basket. And that can become wear and tear, where if they're forcing him to have to guard as much as they're forcing him to have to work for his offense, he can get worn down with that. And that's what I think that Miami's going to do. But it should be a good series. Uh, should be a lot better this round than it was the round before when Milwaukee looked like they were not interested when they played against Orlando. You know, they started out in that series. They lost the first game, and then they won four straight. But they struggled. Although Orlando did not not win, Orlando pushed Milwaukee. They made them play. They were very competitive in that series. They just didn't have enough bodies to throw at Milwaukee because a lot of their players were hurt. But they did show up, and they really played tough ball. But Miami's going to give Milwaukee all they can handle, and they're going to make them earn. If they're going to beat them in this series, they're going to make them earn the four games of this seven-game series in order to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So the playoffs are set, folks. Like I said, you're going to want to turn in and check out that Game 7 tomorrow with Utah and Denver. You're going to want to see that Game 2 of that Boston and Toronto series. And then we're still going to be waiting for the OKC. See who wins between that OKC and Houston game tonight to see if Houston wins then they will be facing the L.A. Lakers. If Houston loses, then we'll be going to a game seven on Wednesday. So that's where we are in the world of basketball. Let's just tippy-toe a little bit with the NFL. And let's talk about what happened today in the NFL. And that is Jacksonville. What in heaven's name are the Jaguars doing in there within their organization? They have gotten rid of every significant player that they have drafted within the last, at least the last three to four years. It started with Jalen Ramsey, and then it was AJ Boye, Calais Campbell this offseason, and now they've traded. In Dockway, their young 25-year-old defensive stud, defensive tackle, they've traded him to the Minnesota Vikings for two picks. I didn't think the picks that they received for his talent is going to match, but I guess when he was so disgruntled, they just had to find a way to get him out, get him out the door. So they traded him for two picks. And then this morning. We hit breaking news that they released Leonard Fournette. Now, 
considering that back in right after the draft, you heard rumors that they were trying to possibly trade Leonard Fournette. Thought that he would make the roster, even though they didn't pick up his fifth year option, that he would make the roster for this season, considering that we're two weeks, less than two weeks away from the season kicking off. And you release Leonard Fournette. He's got to be your best offensive player, considering that you have nobody else. What's interesting about this is, is that Jacksonville has an array of picks coming up. We know that there are two possibly franchise quarterbacks in this draft. I know that they're going with Gardner Minshew, and they like Gardner Minshew. But Gardner Minshew is not Trevor Lawrence, and he is not Justin Fields from Ohio State. So in my mind, they're going to draft a quarterback, whichever one of those two young men are available in the spring, they're going to draft one of them. But my thing is, you have gotten rid of everybody of significance in your organization. It sounds like you have an organizational problem. Now, will Leonard Fournette make somebody's roster before the first week of the season begins? I believe there are at least three teams that could use the services of a young running back like a power back in the form of Leonard Fournette. One of those teams that comes to mind for me is the Washington football team. Remember, they released Darius Geis. You have a Adrian Peterson that's going on, if I'm not mistaken, AP is 35, possibly. Um, and then you have a couple of young running backs behind him that have been banged up. So to get a Leonard Fournette at this particular point where you don't have to give up any uh, draft picks for him and at the salary you could get him at, to me, that's a win-win. If I'm the Washington football team and I'm starting a quarterback that was a rookie last year and this would be his first full year behind center, I need to be able to have the stability of a running game. So to me, that would be a no-brainer if I'm Doug Williams in that front office to take a look and do my research and due diligence on Leonard Fournette. Another team that could possibly use the likes of a Leonard Fournette to me would be the team that a lot of people believe may be making a Super Bowl run in their backyard, and that would be Tampa Bay, or I should say Tampa Bay. They've already ingratiated themselves with Tom Brady, and they have been looking for potentially another running back And so what better way to help out a 43-year-old quarterback than give him a a horse like a Leonard Fournette that he can turn around and hand the ball to to get those tough yards in between between the tackles when you need it on a third and four, third and two, or play action. And Leonard Fournette last year caught 76 passes out the backfield. So we know now that he also, and that's one of Tom Brady's biggest things is having backs come out the backfield. We saw that with Sony Michelle and 
um, Mr. White, James White. We saw those guys. Um, Mr. Burkhead, we saw, we saw those guys work with Tom Brady when he was in New England. So why not bring in somebody like a Leonard Fournette to help him out down in Tampa Bay? Another team, in my opinion, they could use the likes of a running back. Why not somebody like Seattle? They had an array of injuries in their backfield last year. They need a running back. They like a strong running game. I think that would be fabulous for Russell Wilson to have somebody like a Leonard Fournette. If he can stay healthy, um, I think that would be instrumental in what they're trying to do in in regards to revising that offense. And he would come at a cheap price. So those are the three teams I can envision possibly going after a Leonard Fournette. I heard somebody mention the Chicago Bears, but they drafted a young running back last year. I think he's a little banged up right now in training camp. Um, But I think that he will be available probably before the season starts. But competition makes everybody a better man. So if Chicago decided to bring in the likes of the Leonard Fournette, that can only make their locker room better. As we see now with the competition between the quarterbacks, they're trying to be, Coach Nagy's trying to be hush-hush in regards to who he's going to designate as the starter. I still believe it's going to be Nick Foles. I think Mitchell Trubisky is on his way out the door. Not saying that Nick Foles is the savior, but folks, anytime you bring in somebody like a Nick Foles and you have a guy that you drafted number two and you're having him compete for his job, the writing's on the wall. And it doesn't sound like that Mitchell Trubisky has had a camp where he has been overwhelmingly the guy to turn to. And so that leads me to believe that they're going to go with the veteran in Nick Foles and see how far he can lead them. And if he stumbles, then they'll turn to Mitchell Trubisky. But at this particular point, I think that they'll be looking for a quarterback next year as well. I don't know where they'll be looking for a quarterback, whether it's through free agency or through the draft. But I believe that their future quarterback is not on their roster. That I do believe. Talking about training camp, this has been an interesting season from the standpoint there have been no preseason games. So we have been not been able to see the likes of rookies and uh, possible free agents that we would have seen in the past in preseason games. So every team is keeping it close to the vest in regards to what they're allowing us to see from some of these practices. And one of those teams, of course, is my team, the Dallas Cowboys. They had a uh, practice slash scrimmage last night that was supposed to have been something that was supposed to have been aired that you could have streamlined. I think it was more interviews. They didn't really show anything. And you're not supposed to. I mean, everybody is at a disadvantage right now from the standpoint of not being able to get as many reps in as they would like. And so for you to expose your hand and showing some of the players that that you have on your roster that you're not even sure about yourself, why would you allow any kind of video to go out and show these players potentially that you may decide that you want to keep yourself. 
So we're going to see. It's, it's been interesting to see what these teams have been trying to do. It's just hard to believe that we had gotten this far, folks, with the NFL season about to kick off. In New England, you know that they've had Cam possibly as a starter this year, even though Bill Belichick has not totally pulled the reins to say that it's Cam's job. But he did give Cam another weapon as New England went out about a week and a half ago and they signed former Houston Texans running back Lamar Miller. If Lamar Miller is healthy, he is a really good piece to add to that running back group to go along with Sonny Michelle, who is still, I think, a little banged up, and a James White. The problem is New England needs outside threats, and that's what we're going to have to see if they're going to have anybody on the outside that's going to be a problem and create opportunities for Cam to use his legs and to to be able to use that person on the outside as a threat with Cam's athletic ability. That's what we're waiting to see. And speaking of ability, let's shift over to West, to the West Coast, and talk about the L.A. Chargers as they just got some bad news as their all-pro safety, one Derwin James, is going to be out for a significant time again. Remember last year, Derwin missed 11 games, and it sounds like that he's going to miss a significant time again this year as he has what appears and sounds like to be a torn meniscus. So he's getting a second opinion now, and so we don't really know what his clear status is, but we do know he is going to miss some games in this upcoming season. It's going to be really interesting, folks, to see how these teams do without the preseason games. We've had a rash of injuries throughout many of these camps. But it's just nice that we can even talk about football. That's the good thing. So in closing, we're going to give you our analysis of what we think each team is projected to be at for this upcoming season. But in closing, I just want to say once again, thank you for tuning in to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your coach, Coach P. And as we close out, just again, want to talk about the gifts that were given to us by the lives of Chadwick Bozeman and Coach John Thompson and As we close, let's just say Wakanda for life. Rest in peace, Chadwick Bozeman. Rest in peace, Coach John Thompson. Rest in peace, Coach Lou Olson. Rest in peace, Cliff Robinson. Until the next time, peace.